tonight I have a little bit of a different uh, word. It's the word, but we're going to approach it a, a little bit differently. And I'm going to start out by asking you a question. What's showing in your life? What's showing in your life? Now, if I were to ask for uh, people to raise their hands of something embarrassing that has happened in your life, that something maybe was showing that shouldn't have been showing, something, you know, we might get a few testimonies of, yeah, that happened to me. But as I was thinking about this this afternoon, I was reminded of uh, growing up as a little girl. My mom had this dear friend. Actually, she was married to T.L. Osborne's brother. Her name was Jane Osborne. And she was my mom's best friend and a sweet lady. And I remember her and my mom one Sunday, I believe it was, after church, they were talking and laughing. And she told my mother this story that she had gone shopping that week. And she, was, she had on a nice top, but she was looking for a new skirt to go with this top that she was wearing. So she picks out all these skirts goes into the dressing room, and she's trying all these skirts on. Finally, she thinks she finds the perfect one, and she was concentrating so hard on which skirt was going to look good with this top that she picked out the one that she was going to buy, walks out of the dressing room, walked up to the checkout stand, and said, I want to buy this skirt. And the lady was just looking at her so funny. And she finally said, well, ma'am, do you want to put your other skirt on before you leave? <laughs> she had walked up there with her beautiful top and her slip on and left her skirt in the dressing room. And I remember my mom, and her name was Jane, they were laughing and laughing. And as a little kid, I thought, that is so odd. How in the world could that happen? But you know, as I've gotten to be older than my mother was at the time, I'm starting to realize how that could happen. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we get in deep thought or concentration or things happen and, you know, you know, we just get distracted in life. And it's pretty easy to get preoccupied. This time of year, it's pretty easy to get stressed out or to burn, burn, burnt out. And when those things happen in our lives where things start piling in on us, guess what? Things start showing up that we don't want to show up. Right. People start seeing things on us yeah. that shouldn't be there. Did you know that you can tangibly see stress on people? Sure. You can see it when somebody is worried and uptight and full of anxiety. Well, that's not us. Amen. That's not what we want to be showing up in our lives this time of year or any time of the year. So I got a question for you tonight. What's showing in your life? And we're going to look over at the book of Timothy. Now, Timothy is an interesting book in the Bible. It was written by the Apostle Paul to his young protege in the faith, Timothy. And he's giving him explicit instructions on how he was to conduct himself, how he was to walk in his call, he's giving him insight on how to deal with difficult people. I know no one's ever had that happen to them. But how to deal with difficult people. Timothy was a young man and he was taking on this church as being their pastor. And so Paul, throughout this book, is giving him 
insight and instruction. Yeah. And it, a lot of times this book is used, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, schools of ministry. Yeah, I need a little drink of water here. I started thinking of... <laughs> it was that chicken fried steak and extra gravy. <laughs> Not the best choice on Sunday, but it sure was good. Anyhow, so a lot of, lots of times this book has been used to train up ministers. But you know what? Every one of you are a minister. We are ministers of the Gospels. We are ambassadors in Christ. So we can glean from this valuable information on how to live a godly life. So the first verse that we want to look at is in 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. And we'll look at at this one in the New King James. (laughs) Do not neglect... The gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So what we want to point out in this passage is, do not neglect the gift that is in you. This is referring to spiritual gifts, not natural abilities. Not the gift of gab, which I apparently have. I have to tell you a funny story. We were just down with John and Lindy. And uh, on Friday, we were going to go see this little, what was that, Penguin Madagascar movie or something. And uh, I'm sitting in the back with her. She's in her little booster seat and she's about to fall asleep. But I know we're almost to get to the movie theater. So I'm thinking... Well, that's not going to be good. If she falls asleep, she's going to wake up grumpy and all that stuff. So I reached over and touched her on the leg and just started talking to her. Oh, Libby, I'm so excited about seeing the movie and just, you know, just chattering. She looked at, she opened her eyes sort of, and she scowled at me in a real kind of attitude voice. She said, Grammy, you are such a chatterbox. I know how she knew how that worked. Seriously. So, I guess that I have a gift I did not know. I must have the gift of gab. But that's not... (laughs) Which was pointed out to me by my five-year-old granddaughter. Just wait, Jill. You're in for some good things here. Anyhow, pretty funny. But that's not the kind of gift that this verse is talking about. Neglect... Not the gift that is in you. Another way to say it would be don't neglect who's in you. No one likes to be ignored. It's rude if you're trying to talk to somebody and they've got a newspaper or, or in this day and age, they've got their iPad or their phone right in front of their face and you're trying to talk to them. It's rude to ignore Somebody. Well, we should not neglect or ignore the one who lives on the inside of us. Jesus deserves our best. He deserves our attention. He deserves our honor and our respect and our admiration. Amen? He lives inside of us. And so we are instructed to not neglect 
this gift that's inside of us. Don't neglect him, his word, praying in the spirit. Because if we neglect the gift that's inside of us, guess what happens? It becomes evident to all those around us that we haven't been spending time with our precious gift. That we haven't been in his presence. If we don't take the time to reverence him and to be with him, you know what will begin to happen? That thing, the thing, Jesus on the inside of us is not a thing, but Jesus, his, his presence, his voice will get smaller and that old carnal nature will rise up bigger. Like we talked about last week at the baptism, jack in the box, the crank will start getting cranked. And people that once you, you know, you were tolerating them, you were good with it, but now oh, they're great in your flesh and poof, pops out of the jack in the box, your flesh. But he is telling us, don't neglect what's inside of you. Because when you do give attention to the things that's on the inside of you, great things will show up. He'll show up. His character will be visible to all who see you. Paul reminded Timothy again, he put it a little bit differently, over in 2 Timothy 1.6. Now we're going to go back to... Uh, 1 Timothy in a minute, but 2 Timothy 1, 6, he said, Therefore, I remind you, now at first he said, don't neglect the gift. Now he's saying, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The gift of God, the spiritual endowment that you were given to stand in the office I've called you to stand in to fulfill your call you have to stir it up and every one of us when we were born again God had gifts and treasures and talents that were imparted into your spirit but they don't just all automatically start flowing out of our lives. We have to nurture them. We have to develop them. And we have to keep them stirred up that they may be evident in our lives, that they may flow freely out of our lives. This time of year, there's a lot of focus on natural gifts. You know that it's crazy sometimes at the mall. Black Friday, John and Lindy live close to South Coast Plaza Mall, huge mall. We couldn't even get on the freeway hardly. It was just nuts. And Tuesday we went to go somewhere and there was a line of people on the sidewalk in front of Best Buy lining up on Tuesday for Black Friday that was actually going to happen on Thursday night. I don't know how that all works, but anyway... The mall was crazy. People get crazy. People charge their credit cards to the max. It's fine to want to buy people gifts and to find good deals. But we must keep the right perspective. You might think this sounds cheesy, but it is the truth. The greatest gift that you can give your family is yourself. The greatest gift we can give Jesus is us. Lord, I give you all of me. 
At this time of year, I have a lot of childhood memories of the holidays, and and most of them are are really good. I was blessed. I was fortunate to grow up in a good Christian home. But I remember I was just really pretty teeny, and we did this play at church, and the play was entitled The Greatest Gift of All. And I got to be the star in the play. I was probably about five years old. And what I was, was they wrapped me up in a box. And all that was showing was my head and my feet. My part was to, at the end, walk out on the stage when they said, the greatest gift we can give him. And I screamed, me! But that impressed me. And it, it my, 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 yeah, my acting ability impressed me. It impressed, it's the gravy, it impressed (laughs) upon me (laughs) that the greatest thing I could give Jesus was me. And that's still the best gift of all, to give your family your time, to give your family your your love and what we do for others at this time of year to do it from our heart not out of obligation not out of duty or drudgery you might think this doesn't fit in this message but it does you know how God tells us to give second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 tells us how we are to give and I haven't digress from my subject because I'm still talking about the gift that's on the inside of us. Stirring it up, then giving it away. Stirring up Jesus on the inside of us and then sharing His love with those around us. This is how we are to give. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind. And purposed in his head. I like this because it says in his heart. Whatever we give unto the Lord. It needs to come from our heart. A willing heart to sow to him. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves. He takes pleasure in he prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without. Now, you know, I like this. A cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver. Then read that last part with me. Whose heart is in his giving. This is the way. This is the attitude that we are to have towards whatever we do. For, key, for the kingdom of God. Whether it's serving in one of the teams that we offer here. Whether it's uh, giving of our finances. Whatever we're doing unto him. Do it with our heart. If that's how God wants us to give to him. Doesn't it make sense? That that's how we should give to others. It doesn't make you very happy if somebody says, well, I'm going to give you this gift. I tell you, I worked, I saved. Oh, man, it cost me. And they start telling you how much money it costs. It cost me so much money. But I know that you really wanted it. So here it is. Enjoy. (laughs) 
not a heart. That's not a person whose heart is in their giving. And you can tell it that they're doing it out of obligation and out of duty. But when it comes to our family and our friends, I want to encourage you, stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. So, love, acts of kindness, seeds of goodness, words of affirmation. Think of it. It means a lot to people to actually go buy a card. Maybe you don't have a lot of finances, and that is not the point. Go buy a card. Go make a card. And just from your heart, tell them how much they mean to you. I still have cards down through the years that people have written to me that touched a chord in my heart. Because when it's from a person's heart, it's powerful. And it is the greatest gift of all. We need to teach our kids to be thankful, to have an appreciative attitude, to be grateful when people bless them, when we bless them. And one way that I really, I enjoy this, one way that I love to bless my family and give to them is through cooking. I guess that was modeled in my home growing up. My mother just baked all the time. She made food all the time. She'd take it to the nursing home, take it to this one. And I could see the joy on people's faces knowing that she had done this because she loved Jesus and she loved them. So it was instilled in me as a little girl. I could see how happy my dad would be when he'd come in from working outside on the farm and she'd have this huge meal prepared. He'd be grateful and he'd be happy. So I kind of grew up thinking that there was a verse in the Bible that said the way to a man's heart was through his stomach. So... As soon as I met my beloved husband-to-be, I started cooking up for him and started thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to capture, I mean, I'm going to enrapture him with my love through my cooking. And it's always worked for me. So anyhow, (laughs) so I like to do that for my family. Some people say I hate to cook, and, and their family can tell they hate to cook. And their family doesn't really enjoy eating the food that they threw together resentfully. So whatever we do, do it cheerfully. And if it is cooking that you like to do, do it with a smile on your face and see it as a seed of love to your family. I think I'm preaching pretty good. Is this pretty good? When we develop the gift on the inside of us, when we develop who's on the inside of us, it is apparent to people that Jesus is living big in us. Is that what you want people to see? I want people to see Jesus in me. Let's look back over to 1 Timothy again, verse uh, 4. I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 this time. Meditate. Again, he's telling him, he's giving him all these instructions, all this wisdom. And now he's saying this to him. Young Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear 
to all. So he's saying, if you will meditate on the truth of the word, then people will be able to hear what you're saying because you've meditated on it and it's on the inside of you. You can't share what you don't know. But when it's in you in abundance, it will come out. The word must be in us before it can be seen flowing through us. So as I was reading this scripture, that phrase, profiting may appear to all, stood out to me. What kind of profit? Is he talking about financial gain? Is he talking about how much you have in your 403B or, or what kind of a car you drive or house you live in or clothes you wear or jewelry that you have? No. What do you think he's talking about? It's more, he's talking about spiritual profit. Your spiritual progress and your spiritual profit will appear to all. He gives us that answer to what it means to be profitable in verse 4 of that same chapter. Again, I want to read this out of the King James because it says profit. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Uh Uh-oh. We're not going to talk about that, but it does the body good. And lifting the remote is not considered bodily exercise. you got to move it, move it, move it a little bit every once in a while, right? Why does he say that bodily exercise profiteth little? Because it's only good while you're in the body. You don't have to exercise in heaven, praise the Lord. But while we're here, we do need to do something with the body. It profits little because it is a natural, physical thing. But then he goes on to say, this is what's profitable. Roxy Lily, I just saw you. Hey! Yay! Roxy's one of us that moved to Tulsa a few years ago. Welcome home. Yay, Roxy. My spirit just got happy. I'm profiting because I see my friend Roxy's back. Yay. Anyhow. <laughs> For broadly exercise, profiteth little. But, but this is where we're headed. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. What we do spiritually is profitable now, not just now, but in the life to come. We're laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Every time we do something in the name of the Lord, when we say a kind word, when we do a good deed, when we reach out with a hand of compassion and help somebody in need, when we lay hands on somebody that's sick, whatever it may be, just expressing the love of Jesus, that is profitable in the life to come. We're laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot Enter in. Praise God. Things that you might do in the natural. Greeting at the door. Shaking somebody's hand. Giving them a smile. And you might think, well, that's just a little little act. That's just a natural little thing. No, it carries spiritual significance. Because you never know what people come in here having dealt with. And just the fact that somebody says, hi, 
by good morning and smiles at them can make oppression get off of their lives, cause heaviness to be lifted. These are spiritual things. Whatever we do for the kingdom of God, it's profitable. It's profitable now, but it's even more profitable in the life to come. Eternal value. Hallelujah. Now, I like how it reads in that message. I think it reads, starts at about 10, I, I, verse 8. Exercise daily in God. That same passage, 1 Timothy 4. <clears throat> Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both today and forever. Hallelujah! No spiritual flabbiness, please. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Make progress. Rise up in the things of God. Let your progress be seen. Let people that knew you 10 years ago, and then they see you now, and they're like, what happened to you? What happened to me is Jesus. People ought to see that he has brought change in to our life. Hallelujah. Some try to make it sound like living a godly life is boring. It's not fun. It takes all the joy out of life. They have this attitude, come into the kingdom of God and be pickled like me. Sour. No, we're not pickled. We're preserved. When we come into the family of God, we don't lose our joy. We get joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is no high like the most high God. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Anybody happy in the house tonight? It's a good thing to serve the Lord. It's profitable to live a godly life. It doesn't cost to serve Jesus. It pays rich dividends. Is it profitable to be healed? Is it profitable to have your family whole and intact? Is it profitable to have your bills paid? Is it profitable to have peace? That passeth all understanding. Is it profitable to live a carefree, a worry-free life? I'm not hearing any response in the house. Is it profitable to have love like an ocean? Joy like a fountain that bubbles up on the inside of us. That's what he meant when he said, live. A godly life that your profiting may appear to all. When we walk in the Word, when we seek first the kingdom of God, what does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His way of doing and being, and all these things will be added unto you. 
Our lives truly are the only Bible that some people will ever read. That's why he said live a godly life. That your profiting may appear. That people may say, Woo! How do you stay so full of peace in the midst of turmoil? Woo! How do you have so much joy when everybody else is so sad? How come you are full of faith and not full of fear when everything's going on in this world? That's what people are supposed to see. What's showing up in your life? It ought to be righteousness, joy, peace, faith, hope. Hallelujah! Not gloom, despair, worry, fear, and agony. No, we represent Him. Let Him show up. In our lives. Now in 1 Timothy 4. We want to look at verse 15 again. Out of the Amplified. And I like how it says this a little bit differently. Practice. And cultivate. And meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them. As your ministry. It says it here. That your progress. May be evident. To everyone. It ought to be evident to family members, to friends, when you get born again and when you are growing in the things of God. Because when we first get born again, it's not instantly we're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. But it's not instant that all these old habits and all this old junk falls off of us. That's why he said that your progress may appear to all. It's a walk. It's a journey. It's a step by step. Anybody figured that out? We're making progress as we grow in Him. But it it should be evident to people that you're not the same person that you were before you knew Jesus or before you had revelation of the Word of God. It should be evident to them. You don't react like you used to react. You don't fall apart at the sign of a test. You don't speak words of cursing and those awful four-letter words when things show up. You speak the word. Out of your mouth are not things coming that the old man used to say. And they're like, wow, I can't believe you're so calm with all this stuff going on. It's because I got the prince of peace on the inside of me. And he's helping me to make progress. What is that? That's a testimony. And we know you can't have a testimony without a test. The first four letters of testimony spell test. I wish it weren't so, but it is. We only build a testimony when we've come through something. But when you've come through something, you ought to testify. You ought to say, look what the Lord hath done. It looked like I was going under, but he brought me over. It looked like I was the tail, but he made me the head. He hath raised me up. 
Out of the miry clay, out of the pit, he raised me up. When it looked like I was going to lose my health, the Lord came through. Hallelujah. When the doctors gave me an evil report, the Lord, my healer, stepped in. Hallelujah. Touched my body and raised me up. That's causing your progress to be evident to all. And it's not just going to be evident in the good times. People watch you when you go through difficult times. You may not be aware of it, but your family's watching to see how you might react if you lose your job or or this happens or whatever happens. They want to see if what you have is the real deal. I love this scripture over in Psalms 18. This will be the last scripture that we read, but don't get too excited. We have some comments on it. Psalms 18, verse 30. Going to read it out the Amplified. As for the Lord, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in Him. The word of the Lord is tested. And tried. I love the story I heard an old minister say years ago. He was preaching. And this lady had her Bible. And he wanted to look at a, at a scripture. So he took her Bible. And he's flipping through her Bible. And by all these verses in big letters he saw T-P. T-P. So curiosity got the best of him. So he said, Sister, What does TP by all these verses mean? She said, oh, brother, that means tried and proven. Hallelujah. We ought to have some TP verses marked in our Bible. The word of the Lord is tested and tried, and we could add and proven. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it goes on. It says he is our shield. What does shield mean? He's our protection. He's our defense. Hallelujah to those that put their trust in Him. Do you trust Him? Is that what show is? That's what should be showing up in our life. That's another thing that should be showing up is our trust. My trust and my confidence is in the Lord God Most High. He is my shield. He is my buckler. He surrounds me. Hallelujah. Woo! Trust is just another word for faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. When we're trusting in Him, we're stirring up our heart. We're stirring up Him. We're stirring up the Word that's on the inside of us. And it'll be evident when you're trusting the Lord. Amen? Now let's go down to verse 31. For who is God except the Lord? Or who is the rock? Save our God. He alone is is a solid rock on which we stand. The world may be rocking and reeling and rolling, but we are fixed. We are settled in unsettling times because we're built 
on the rock. Hallelujah. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. He's a solid foundation. Hallelujah. Oh, that's good news. Then verse 32. The God who girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. The Lord is the source of our strength. He is our strong tower. When we trust in Him, we are going to have joy. And what does the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you're trusting in the Lord, it's evident. Your profiting appears to all. When you've got the joy of the Lord as your strength, it's evident. People see it upon you, and they want it. That's what it's about. Hallelujah. Then let's continue. Verse 33. He makes my feet like hind's feet, able to stand firmly or make what? We're talking about our progress. Our profiting may appear to all. He's able to make progress on the dangerous heights of testing and trouble. He sets me securely upon my high places. High places. He's the most high God. He's not the low God. He's the most high God. And it says he makes my feet like hinds feet. Hinds is a type of a red-tailed deer that I'm told it's almost impossible to fence them in. They can leap over really high barriers and walls. So that ought to be our theme song. Can't fence me in. Can't keep me down. He makes my feet like hinds feet. He makes me to even have progress on the dangerous types of testing and trouble when stones of the enemy are thrown at us and there's obstacles in our way and in our pathway. We shouldn't let those things knock us down. We ought to just say, oh, there's another stepping stone. I'm just going to put that thing under my feet, and I'm just going to come on up a little bit higher. Use those stones of the devil as stepping stones to get to your high place. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a story about a farmer and a mule that illustrates this point. Yep. There was this farmer that had this old mule. They were out walking around one day, and this mule fell into an old abandoned well. had a cover over it, and he stepped on it, and he fell into it. Well, the farmer tried and tried to pull the mule out, and he just had the strength. He couldn't do it. So finally he gave up, and he thought, well, I'm not going to just leave him in there to die, so I'll just... Get it over with quick. I'll just bury him in the well. Make a grave for him. So he got a shovel. Started throwing dirt down there on top of the mule. 
And at first, the mule's like, what's going on here? Getting dirt all over me. But after a while, he started just shaking every shovel of dirt off. He'd shake it off and shake it off. And then he realized as he's shaking it off that he could stomp it down. So he's shaking it off and he's stomping it down. And the farmer keeps throwing more and more dirt in there and the mule's shaking it off and stomping it down. And with every shovel of dirt that came in and he shook it off and he stomped it down, guess what? He was making progress on the heights a testing and trial. And that thing that was supposed to bury him, he just kept shaking it off and stomping it down. And then after a little while, to the farmer's surprise, the mule hopped out of the well. Woo! That dirt that was being thrown on him that was supposed to take him out and bury him, he used it to make progress and to get out of the pit. Hallelujah. Woo! That mule acted on this scripture. He stood firm and he made progress on the dangerous heights of testing and trial. So that's what I want to leave you with tonight. You can make progress regardless of what's thrown at you. Regardless of what kind of obstacles come your way this Christmas season and this next year. You just shake it off. You stomp on it and you say, okay, thank you devil for sending me some more dirt and another stone because I'm just going to step on it and I'm going to rise up and go higher and higher and higher. I'm going to make progress. And my profiting is going to appear to all that know me because you can't keep a good man down. You're much better than a mule. Hallelujah. Woo! Don't let anything hold you back. Make progress. Glory to God. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. We're going high.